Today we have a, another letter from Archbishop Vigano. He has been very busy writing lately, although most of the things he's written recently have had to do with Holy Week and such. But he had before Lent been writing a series of letters explaining the situation of a group of nuns in Italy whose monastery was suddenly and unceremoniously, well, seized or at least attempted to be seized by Rome. And these nuns forced out into the wilderness, essentially, to be homeless. Except that the nuns resisted, as is, I believe, their right. The Vatican used a whole lot of excuses for why they were doing it. This was a disciplinary issue. This was an issue about obedience, yada, yada, yada. Well, the truth of the matter was, is that these nuns had actually abandoned the neocatechumenal way, had abandoned modernism and the other sort of modern ways of the, that Rome wants nuns to be behaving, and had been seeking a more contemplative life dedicated to the traditional charisms of the Benedictines, and were living as traditional nuns. This was unacceptable. To Rome, who hungrily eyed their real estate, and has a long track record of going after traditional monks and nuns, seizing their property, and selling it for money. Vigano has been explaining this in a series of letters. In going so forth in the most recent episode, which happened, I think, just before Lent began, seems like eternity ago, I know, but he explained in that the uh, that Rome used the secular arm, as he called it, this would be the police, the state, in the violation of of the concordat between Rome and Italy, not between the Vatican and Italy. Not that the Italian government is ever going to try to withdraw from the concordat. Really, they're never going to do that. But they the, the Vatican violated that by trying to get the secular authorities to intervene in the affairs, the internal affairs of the church. And the nuns have been resisting. And some of you have asked how you can help these nuns. In this letter of... Vigano actually tells you, he actually has like a routing number and thanks for them. And I'll put it on the screen here over my shoulder. Um, just that little portion of his letter I will have on the, here on the screen so you can figure out how to do it. I don't know how that stuff works. Um, I do trust Archbishop Vigano to be on the up and up about this though, that in that he himself is not profiting from this because he seems to have never asked for himself anything from anybody. Anyway, here's the third and... I hope the final part of this letter, but I, uh, of his series of letters, but I suspect in the coming months when this is finally all resolved, we'll get at least one more letter on this subject from Archbishop Vigano. But here's Vigano and the third part on the war Francis is waging for profit against traditional nuns. Some clarification to reestablish the truth about the situation of the monastery Mary Temple of the Holy Spirit in Pienza. Part 3. New Developments This third part of my intervention in defense of the nuns of Pienza follows a first part devoted to the sequence of events and a second on the canonical measures adopted by the Holy See, with the collaboration of the Diocese of Chiesi Pienza, Montepulciano, and the Picenia Federation of the Benedictine Order. The second part concluded by mentioning the interrogation of relatives of the nuns conducted by the Car Carabinieri in late February. At the beginning of March, the press gave news of these events, announcing the possible opening of a file with a competent prosecutor's office. But a few days later, on March 16th, the Correa de Siena informed 
that no investigation was underway, that no elements had been found that would constitute a crime, and that the matter was considered to be a matter for the ecclesiastical authority. The affair does not present crimes to be investigated, but merely matters internal to the church and pertaining to the rules of the Benedictine order and convent, therefore falling within the perimeter of ecclesiastical justice and law. This confirms the anomaly of the use of the secular arm by the Curia and the Benedictine Federation, hastily cast aside because it is blatantly abusive and irregular. It should likewise be recalled that the decision of the diocese and federation to issue a communique against the nuns caused an uproar and entailed serious damage to the reputations of the nuns, who were called rebellious nuns, in the press because of the generic and defamatory accusations made against them by the ecclesiastical authority. If the nuns were forced to publicly protect their good name, this was necessary because of all the too casual imprudence of the cur Curia of Pienza. After the apostolic visitation decided upon by the Roman dicastery, without providing the reasons in advance, and without communicating the results, the nuns had seen Vatican emissaries appear in Pienza claiming to execute decrees that had not been duly notified, and on February 18th they had sent, in accordance with Canon 1734, subsection 1, their remonstriaciones to ask to be informed of the alleged accusations made against them so they could defend themselves. The Holy See was supposed to respond to these remonstraciones with the 30-day period, see Canon 1735, but this did not happen, adding a further irregularity to those already committed. Instead, on March 20th, a new dicastery decree was delivered, dated March 14th, and with protocol number 27887-2014, signed by Prefect Cardinal Braz de Aviz and Secretary Monsignor Rodrigo Carballo reiterating the decisions made in the previous decree, with the sole exception of a concession of 60 days for the abbess and prioress to choose two distinct communities to which to be definitively transferred. In essence, the Roman authority continues to make explicit neither the reasons for the visits nor the results of the visit, which should have been stated in the final report. This suggests that there are no concrete reasons behind these measures, and that the Vatican's action is entirely pretextual. It should likewise be noted that the new decree accumulates without formal distinction several provisions intended for religious as communities and as individual sisters, for nuns and their superiors, and while the first decree spoke of particular conditions of the community, and the second the expression, as a result of the critical issues that emerge from the apostolic visitation, does not add any further element to legitimize the disciplinary measures taken. Rather, it highlights the clumsy attempt to arbitrarily flesh out indeterminate and unexpressed accusations, and it should be added that no admonition or reprimand was ever formulated before the visitation was ordered, neither to the entire community nor to the superiors. If, therefore, the purpose of disciplinary action as charity requires even before law, is the correction of a fault, it is evident for the sisters the impossibility of amending themselves from a fault that was never even hinted at. Truly a singular way of animating and regulating the practice of the evangelical councils on the part of the dicastery appointed for that purpose. Beyond the fact that the decree refers indiscriminately to several recipients, it is disconcerting that it simulates some mitigation of the provisions previously made with regard to the abbess and prioress, where it grants the two religious the possibility of choosing two separate monasteries, so as to separate and isolate them with a view to their quote-unquote re-education, instead of exlustrating the abbess and sending the prioress to the quote monastery of Bose, well known for its ultra-modernist positions and absolute absence of Benedictine charism and cloistered life. 
This pathetic attempt to offer the superiors an alternative solution to exclaustration or re-education at Bose is evidently intended to induce the two nuns, under the pressure of events and emotional stress caused by the affair, to give up their sacrosanct right to a defense that would prove their absolute non-involvement in any accusation. This is due to the desire not to have to come to the explicit formulation of charges that would prove specious and flimsy. Not only that, the new decree does not explain why the previous one's strict decision was changed to one that, although less severe, still remains unjustified, as long as the alleged shortcomings, generically referred to as criticalities, are not specifically challenged. In practice, the dicastery refuses to formulate the charges from which the abbess, prioress, and all the nuns of Pienza should be able to defend themselves, and merely partially reduces the punishment of an unspoken crime in order to induce them to give in for the sole purpose of avoiding worse punishments. To call this behavior scandalous and blackmailing is putting it mildly, especially from someone who in 2018 urged the claustrate in language that was more disrespectful not to allow themselves to be manipulated, quote, even if they are bishops, cardinals, friars, or other people. The nuns are thus denied any most basic right to defense, making the damage to the image and reputation of the nuns even more devastating. The decree does not even hint at the modalities of any possible appeal, while it injures the rights of the abbess and the chapter, who are illegitimately and unjustifiably usurped in the exercise of their office. The new decree of March 14th, as mentioned, refers indiscriminately to several addressees. On the one hand, it confirms the provisions of the previous decree with regard to the community, while on the other it imparts new provisions with regard to the abbess and prioress. The provisions regarding the community, insofar as they confirm which has already been provided in the previous decree, cannot be the subject of a new remonstratio at the dicastery, but of an appeal to the tribunal of the apostolic signatura, the supreme court of the Holy See. Said appeal was promptly forwarded by the nuns last March 30th. The abbess and prioress, on the other hand, being the recipients of new dispositions, submitted two new remonstrations to the dicastery last March 30th, in which they request the revocation of the disposition of the March 14th decree and access to the records. These include the entire documentation regarding the canonical building of the monastery, Mary Temple of the Holy Spirit, which, as we saw in the first part of our remonstration, were manipulated by the previous Ordinary of Pienza, Monsignor Stefano Manetti, and likewise the acts that led to the ordering of the apostolic visitation, and those concerning the final report of the same. The nuns likewise request the explanations be given for the least anomalous use of the same protocol number for different documents. The Pienza Monastery Affair once again brings to light the disastrous situation in the Roman Curia finds itself. The dicastery presided over by Bras de Aviz in particular shows that it does not even know how to give the semblance of legitimacy to the acts it issues, adding the arrogance and authoritarianism of the prefect and the secretary to the incompetence and approximation of the personnel in charge of drafting the documents. In the face of certain macroscopic errors, one wonders if the decrees are subject to the scrutiny of a canonist, and how it is possible, if not by resorting to the copy-paste of a word processor, that even the protocol numbers are unreliable. It remains to be seen whether at this point there will be anyone in Rome who will resign themselves to following canonical norms, and above all to acting with justice, because at stake is not only the image of the apostolic see, already widely compromised, but the life and serenity of thirteen nuns who are only guilty of wanting to follow the Lord according to the Benedictine charism and in tradition. The alternative that lies ahead is the perpetuation of a tyrannical environment repeatedly denounced by the unfortunates working in the Roman Curia, resorting to the extreme route of sanctions against religious. And this would be even more scandalous if 
only one compares it with other really serious cases for which maximum indulgence, if not total impunity, is guaranteed. The scandal of the remission of the excommunication for the sacrilegious and twisted Father Rupnik, whose horrendous and very expensive mosaics disfigure the churches of the Urbe and the Orbe, should make one understand the disparity of treatment reserved for the Nepotes of Santa Marta, which Cardinal Mueller has has correctly summarized, noting how Bergoglio's friends enjoy privileged status, while enemies are the subject of the most ruthless embezzlement. If the second decree of the Dicastery for Religious Institutes and Society of Apostolic Life has in no way contributed to restoring serenity to the nuns, it cannot be said that the actions of the Benedictine nuns of the Pechenia Federation have shown sensitivity and respect toward them. Mother Daniela Vaca, designated by the Dicastery as administrator and in charge of designating the new superior, once again showed up at the monastery doors together with another nun, compulsively buzzing and phoning for hours in an attempt to get in. Despite the fact that the enforceability of the decree was suspended by the appeal filed by the nuns to the point of forcing Mother Deletta to intimidate them that she would call the Carbonari if they did not leave. It was then the turn of other nuns from the nuns' home monastery in Pienza, Santa Maria de Rose, in Sant'Angelo and Pontano, who also came to attempt a raid to persuade the nuns to give in. It is not known in what capacity these nuns showed up, who sent them and who finally authorized them to break the seclusion to which they are held. The pretext was, of course, innocent, to make sure that they were all right and that they were acting freely, without coercion from the superiors. But had not the Carbonari already verified these matters, for whom there was no evidence to support the suspicions insinuated that they were su suborned or psychologically maneuvered? And at what hypocritical solicitude this, when one considers that neither the Holy See nor the Curia bothered to guarantee material means of subsistence, going so far as to prohibit all financial support to the monastery? and spiritual ones, forcing the sisters to travel miles in order to attend Mass in the celebrations of the Easter Tritium. The religious life of the nuns of Pienza has been severely compromised by a grotesque sequence of assaults, threats, intimidation, involving the press and damaging not only their reputation, but also their inner peace and psychophysical well-being. And all this for what reason and to what end? Beyond the economic interests of the underlings, who are interested in dislodging the sisters in order to dispose of the former seminary and use it as a reception center for the new people in Europe, or sell it to make a luxurious resort, the dicasteries desire to punish the religious for their decision to move closer to tradition and the ancient mass in the context of a generalized attack on monasteries of contemplative life is evident. This crime of lesso concilio, and even more so of Lesa Maista, against Bergoglio and his zealous minions, has had the result of persuading the nuns about the need to abandon the reformed rite for good and embrace exclusively the traditional liturgy. And while a more prudent and paternal attitude would perhaps have delayed this quote-unquote conversion process, the arrogance and authoritarianism of the dicastery, the diocese and the Pichane Federation strengthened the nuns' resolve, reinforcing their community bond their loyalty to the abbess, and their unanimous will. It cannot be said that the Vatican comes out well. Strong with the weak and weak with the strong, as is always the case when people prefer to follow the world's mentality and deny the principles of the gospel. We are sorry to see that, whatever the decision of the authorities involved, the last thing the mercenaries infesting the Roman Curia are interested in is to concretely exercise that charity which we have too often heard mentioned in words. Will they practice to the highest degree that clericalism against which their leader has lashed out over and over again. And while the Roman bureaucrats do not hesitate to deprive this community of the means of subsistence, 
The nuns organized themselves to meet the most urgent needs by founding the association, Mary Temple of the Holy Spirit. This initiative will provide a way for the faithful, who are also victims of these scandalous purges, to concretely witness their support for the nuns, who represent an indispensable spiritual reference in the local ecclesial fabric. It will be interesting to see how the Vatican will approach the supports of the lady, whom proponents of the Bergolian, quote, synodal path seem to consider important in the church. The association will allow the faithful to help the nuns with donations, bequests, or legacies, and later it will also be possible to allocate the five per thousand to the association with a tax return. Those who wish to help the nuns can then send their offerings to the account in the name of the association, Mary, Temple of the Holy Spirit, at Banco Posta, at, and then here's the number on your screen if you are so interested, but while material help to the nuns is certainly important, no less important is spiritual help, which each of us can give them through prayer and penance, putting these days of Holy Week to good use. On the eve of the sacred triduum, in which we contemplate the mysteries of the passion and death of the Savior, in preparation for the Easter resurrection, we are called, as living members of the mystical body, to unite ourselves to the sufferings of Christ and his church. This pasio ecclesia, which is accomplished in the individual faithful and in the entire ecclesial body, represents a solitary purification. It shows us, as it did 1,990 years ago, the few who remain at the foot of the cross and the many who flee, those who deny Christ, those who follow the Sanhedrin. Let us follow, therefore, let us therefore accompany the Lord with a supernatural spirit along the way to Calvary. Let us follow him, together with the pious women and the many good souls who love him, in his immolation to the Father of our salvation and that of the whole world. And let us pray with faith that he will give strength to those who even today complete in their own flesh what is lacking in his afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Signed, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. Kind of a depressing subject, I know, but given that this is going live on Holy Saturday, it sort of makes sense. If you haven't checked out the video, the other video I have for you today, which is on the harrowing of hell by the vision of St. Uh, or blessed, rather, Anne Catherine Emmerich. She hasn't been canonized quite yet, though her messages have been approved by the church, otherwise she wouldn't be a blessed. Um, do so if you can. It is a fascinating story and gives you insight into what we can expect the next installment of The Passion to look like, since the uh, original film was based heavily on her works. It stands to reason that the follow-up will also be based heavily on this particular vision. But let me know what you thought of the story involving the nuns and Vigano. He gets into a lot of legal things here, but at the end of the day, you're seeing the secular authorities being roped into using, being, or being used by Rome for internal ecclesiastical matters that are frankly unjust anyway. You're seeing a real estate scheme blow up in the Vatican's face. I'm not surprised. It is the things of the world and they should know better than to do that stuff. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help, as does sharing this on social media, that helps a lot too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.